go to Matthew chapter 11, verse 28. Uh, Pastor Paul and I have been bouncing around the same verses, and so um, we're going to continue along that line. I, I never feel bad about it because I figure if God gives it to me, like there's lots to teach in here, and if he keeps bringing up the same thing, it's because you, you need it, right? So don't ever get to the place where you say, oh, I heard that before. Because when you say you heard it before, you, let me just help you with that. You haven't heard it yet. When you've really heard it, you can't wait to hear it again. I remember I used to go to, down to Martin's Point for two years. I went down there every second Sunday to preach. And every second Sunday, they would do praise and worship. And then they'd say, there, we've had a great service. <laughs> and then they would say things like, I suppose you're going to preach that face stuff again. That's all I knew. That's all I knew. But they didn't want to hear that. And it's so strange that you wouldn't want to hear. You know, one guy said, I like the, I, he said, I like the feeling of hell's flames licking around the pews. He said that. A minister. He said, some of y'all like that face stuff. I said, dear God almighty. I, I'm not talking names here because this was many, 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 many moons ago. Many moons ago. But we went down there, we went down there every, uh, every other Sunday for about two years. And uh, we preached the only thing that we knew. And thank God it's the only thing we know yet. But Jesus said this in Matthew eleven twenty eight. He said, come on to me. And it's not a command, but it's, it's imperative. Come on to me when you're weary and heavy laden. And don't say that it never happens to you because my Bible says in Isaiah 41 that the, even the young people get weary. And, but you, you wait upon the Lord and you renew your strength. And waiting upon the Lord is not like waiting for the bus. Waiting on the Lord is like being a waiter in a restaurant. You're there serving him. You don't never stop serving him. So he says, come on to me when you're weary and heavy laden. And I'll give you what? Rest. Maybe I'll like the word rest. Reminds me of Hebrews 4.11. He said, the only labor that we're supposed to be involved in is labor to enter into my rest. And then he said in verse 12, and I'm going to tell you how to do it, for the word of God is alive and powerful and sharper than a two-edged sword, piercing to the dividing asunder, soul and spirit, the joints and the mirror, discerning the thoughts, the intents of the heart. So it's the word of God that gives me rest. It's not meditating. That submarine thing, I, I don't, don't want to talk about it. But they knew on Sunday that that thing had collapsed. So that whole thing played out all week. It was all fake. It was fake. They heard it implode on Sunday afternoon. By Monday morning, everybody in that community knew things, but the families were sitting home watching this drama that was happening on TV, and it was all fake. They'd already, already dead, man. And, and they played that all the way through Thursday. So why are you saying that? Don't believe what's not in here. Simple as that. Yeah, anyway, um, so where was I? Oh, yeah, and I'll give you rest. He said, but then he says this, take my yoke upon you. 
So that means there's other yokes that I can take. I have found this out through study of the word that you were designed to be hooked up to somebody that you, you, you cannot walk independent. There's no such thing as a self-made anybody. And so, and so you're made to hook up to a superior being and there's only one, certainly not the devil, but he says, learn of me. He said, he said, take my yoke upon you. And the thing about being yoked up is ever, you ever watched a couple of oxen in a yoke, right? You put an ox and a donkey in the yoke and see what happens. Be kind of funny to watch, wouldn't it? <laughs> but he said, take my yoke upon you. In other words, walk with me. He said, my yoke is easy. Listen. If you're struggling with your Christianity, you're not, you're not hooked up to the right yoke. My yoke is easy. Easy and light. Say easy and light. God deals with me easy and light. Religion doesn't, but God does. He's easy and he's light. And then he says, I'm meek and I'm lowly. In other words, he said, I could have told you, I'm all powerful. I'm the great faith God. I created the heavens and the earth. And I, but I want you to learn of me. And this is what I want you to learn about me. I'm humble. Of all the things you could have said, I'm humble. Why? Because he knows that when you were born, you were born in pride. Because Adam's sin, Satan's sin came in your life. And so pride is something that you are naturally. And so you have to, so, you know, needing to humble yourself. And then when you read Numbers chapter 12 and verse 3, Moses is writing about him. It's a funny story, but we won't, we won't get into that. Moses, the Bible says that Moses was the most humble man on earth. And then, then he said about himself, he said, God's going to raise up a prophet just like me. And when he was, when him being the most humble man on the planet, he was leading Three million people at the time. And yet all you could say about him was he's humble. He didn't get conceited about it. He didn't pat himself on the back about it and say, well, look at me. Aren't I something? He kept himself low. And because of that, he was used more than any other man on the planet ever. So what does humility bring? It brings an opportunity for God to use you. Amen. So he said, take my yoke upon you and learn of me. I'm meek and I'm lowly. I'm humble. I give you rest for your souls. Hallelujah. Praise you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Of course, you have to read the Passion. The Passion translation has changed most of our lives. <laughs> Are you weary, carrying a heavy burden? Come to me and I will refresh your life. For I am your oasis. Simply join your life with mine. This is the part I like. And learn my ways and you'll discover that I'm humble and easy to please. Humble and easy to please. You'll find refreshment and rest in me. For all that I require of you is Pleasant and easy for you to hear. It's kind of like learning the rhythm, the unforced rhythms of grace. It's yeah. like it's like learning how to flow in Him. 
I don't have to be anxious about anything. And even when I think about Romans 8.28, all things work together for my good. God showed me a couple of weeks ago, everything that happens, it doesn't, nothing, nothing happens to me. It always happens for me. And if you know that, it's not enough. You need to know that every, because of everything works together for my good, it's happening for me. I'm not a victim. God is going to take whatever this circumstance is, whatever this situation is, and turn it for my good. That's why he would say in Romans 8.31, what shall we say to these things? Hey, things, God's for me. You can't be against me. You get down to verse 37, and he said, in all these things, all of these things, all of them, not some of them, he said, and all of these things were more than conquerors for him who loved us. More than a conqueror. So why get stressed? It's easy with when you react. But if you learn to respond, <laughs> reaction is it happened and you blurt something out that you can't get back. But when you take the time to respond, when you take the time to meditate his word and thinking, I don't understand this. I have been perplexed. Right now I'm being perplexed again, God. But I'm but I'm and but I'm not in despair. Amen. Right. I need some glasses here. It's another thing about medication that's going to get fixed. I got about 43 pairs of glasses. None of them work. <laughs> no, it's true. They're all different. They're all different caliber. <laughs> so come and learn, he says in verse 28. And that's the secret. He said he's humble and he wants to teach you about it. Right? He wants to teach you it. He said, I want, I want you to. He said, what it takes, how about this? He said, if you'll learn about me, it's a whole lot cheaper than the the discipleship, the discipline is much cheaper than what you're carrying right now. You can carry that load if you want to, but, but know this too, that nothing happens on its own. Everything assumes a state of rest until a force is applied to it. Are you tired and worn out and burned out by religion? Come on to me, he said, and get away with me. You'll recover your life. I'll show you how to live, how you'll have real rest, and you'll walk with me and watch me do it. You'll learn the unforced rhythms of grace. The unforced rhythms of grace. Come on, hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. And really, one of the other definitions for me, I like this too, because it means to stand in the middle between two, two, uh, two uh, extremes. So the one is the grace and the other one is the, the truth. So, but we need, we need to now go, and we, I know we covered it uh, last Sunday, and Paul nailed it again on Thursday. Paul taught it from Luke's gospel. I want to teach it from Matthew's gospel, when, talking about worry. And his his orders are, listen to this, his orders are, don't worry. Don't worry. What should I do when I find myself worrying? Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. I don't feel like rejoicing. He never said you had to feel like it. If you wait till you feel like it to do anything for God, you're not ever going to anything. If you wait until you get happy. If you're waiting for the ideal situation, 
I don't have any trouble in my life right now. Have you ever got that? Just that feeling? Wow. There's absolutely nothing going on. Huh? You ever feel that? It's a wonderful feeling. I I've experienced that a number of years ago. It was like, wow. <laughs> no, but when you're in that place, you do blissful things. Like we rode around our motorcycle around the United States eight or nine different years in a row, and it never dawned on me to get insurance. I know if anything had happened. <laughs> I mean, one time we had a flat tire doing 70 miles per hour, leaving Page, Arizona, and we and loaded up. All the Nancy's luggage was on there. <laughs> and my socks and underwear were in the side saddle. <laughs> and we were coming around this corner at 70, and the back tire blew out. And it took every bit of strength that I had. I mean, when they, when they, you only have two tires. You ever notice that on the bike? <laughs> when one is flat, it sucks, man. It's uh, on a turn. But somehow we managed to get that thing to the side of the road. And even then, it never dawned on me what would have happened if I hadn't had, if I had, had, had an accident. And Nancy, all she could do, she smelt rubber burning and she knew something was going on. But, but we came through that. Uns- then, oh, but see, I know, but th- there was such a miracle there too. There was, there were big tumbleweeds rolling along the fields. They were, they get as big as, they get as big as, well, big as a car almost. So they gather up little ones until they get big. We're sitting down there and it's Page, Arizona and it's hot, hot, hot. We're sitting on a guardrail waiting for a Harley dealer to come from two hours away to, to pick up the bike. So while we're sitting there, the next thing you know is this big black cloud came in, rolled right over top of us and stayed there until that truck came. Two hours sitting in the shade, man. So God is good. He'll, what I'm saying is he'll bless your ignorance. <laughs> But maybe he'll hold you more responsible once you know better. I don't know. <laughs> What's that? Yeah, we are, but we got to pay for pair of bills on earth. So, yeah. Okay, let's go to Matthew. Uh, uh, Matthew's gospel, back to chapter six. And verse 25. And remember, this is, if you have a red letter Bible, this is not Gary. This is not Gary. This is not a suggestion. This is Jesus telling you how to live your life. He's the King of kings and the Lord of lords. I'm glad he's Papa God and Abba Father, but I don't never lose sight of the fact that he's my Lord. Don't, don't ever get so friendly and buddy. You know, I'm glad. Hey, Papa God. But... The reverence, don't ever lose the reverence that you have, the awe that you have for him. So he said, therefore, I tell you in verse 25, don't worry about your life. What you're going to eat. Especially right now, because it's coming up near lunchtime. (laughs) Obviously, he's not talking about what you're going to have for lunch. He's saying, don't worry about it. That's what Pastor Paul was saying the other night. Dad, yeah, don't worry about it. Is that what you were saying? Forget about it. Forget about it. Yeah. yeah. Don't worry about your life, 
what you're going to eat or what you're going to drink, or your body, what you're going to wear. Isn't your life more than food and your body more than clothing? Consider the birds of the sky. So if you ever want the best clams and chips in, in, in the world. No, I'm considering the birds right now. They're at Island View Restaurant in Western Shore. And you can go in there and for 20 bucks you can get a big order of clams and chips. Or you can tell them to keep the chips and they'll double up the order of clams. Same price. But I consider the birds every time I go down there. Because the birds, I'm sitting there eating an ice cream and the birds are waiting for me to be done. Yeah, no, but the birds, you don't never see them down there picketing, saying we want some more food at the restaurant or anything like that. They're just down there and they're just doing their thing because they know that their father will take care of them. Oh, oh yeah, because they eat the French fries there. They're big. That's why some of their feathers are falling out. Too much grease. Anyway. Just focus on, would you help me to focus? <laughs> Consider the birds at, at Island View Restaurant. Your Heavenly Father feeds them. Aren't you worth more than them? Can any of you add one moment to his lifespan by worrying? So why do you worry about clothes? Observe how the wildflowers of the field grow. They don't labor or spin. They don't thread. Yet I tell you, not even Solomon in all of his splendor was adorned like one of these. If God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and thrown into the furnace tomorrow, same verse as you were sharing, Pastor Paul and Luke, same, same statement. So don't worry saying, what are we going to eat? What are we going to drink? What are we going to wear? For the Gentiles eagerly seek these things. And your heavenly father knows that you have needed them. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Seek first. How's that work? It, it's like, it's like every day too. It's like every day. Don't get up so fast that you don't have time to pray. Don't leave the house so fast that you didn't leave time to spend some time with the Lord before you bowled out the door. Don't do that. I know it happens to us all, so I'm not trying to lay any guilt on you. But I'm saying we really need to focus on seeking Him first, taking the time to think about Him. Because what we found out about Goliath is he comes out every morning and every evening yelling, uh, insulting the God of Israel. And don't tell me that he doesn't do it in your life. You wake up in the morning and the problem is waiting to drop on your head. You go to bed at night and he wants you to get, he said, I give my beloved sleep, but you're still worrying about the thing that happened during the day, which really didn't come to pass anyway. Most of what you worried about last year didn't happen, right? No. <laughs> Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all of these things will be provided for you. Therefore, don't worry about tomorrow because tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Another translation says, Therefore, I tell you, don't worry about your life, what you're going to eat, what you're going to drink, 
what you're going to put on your body. Isn't life more than food and the body more than clothing? Consider the birds of the sky. And they don't sow or reap or gather into barns. And I know what, you know, when you have young kids, especially you want to provide clothing for them and all that. Let me tell you, I know somebody that loves your kids more than you. Way more than you ever could. You don't know the how many hairs are on your children's head. He does. And But he said, as long as you keep providing for them, I won't. As long as you think you're the provider, I won't be. He's your provider. You're not the provider. You may be the funnel or the channel that he flows through, but you're not the provider. Why do you worry about clothes? Observe the wildflowers that that grow. They don't labor or spin or thread. Yet I tell you, not even Solomon in all of his splendor was adorned more than one of these. If, if that's how God clothes the grass in the field, which is here today and thrown in the furnace tomorrow, won't he do much more for you, you of little faith? For the Gentiles eagerly seek all the things the Heavenly Father knows. For the Gentiles eagerly seek all those things, but your Heavenly Father knows that you need them. So don't worry saying, what are we going to eat or what are we going to drink or what drink or what are we going to wear? He uses this illustration. He said, aren't two sparrows sold for a farthing? A widow's mite, a small coin. He said, you're trying to tell me that. And he said, not one of them falls to the ground that I don't know about. Not one of them falls to the ground that I don't know about. Aren't you more valuable than them? Take a chill pill. Really? The only reason we worry about it is, uh, this is what I think, the degree that you worry about provision is directly related to how you believe God loves you and how valued you are by your Heavenly Father. He values you more than you value yourself. It's time for you, it's time for you, New Covenant Ministries Church, to put some value on yourself. It's time to realize that you were created in His image and in His likeness, and you're important to Him. You matter you matter. And he's saying, look, stop binding me up. I want to bless you. But as long as you keep doing it for yourself, I can't. Let go. One sign says, let go and let God. No, just let go. Just let go. Just let it all go. Whatever it is, let it go and just flow with him. Yeah. Don't worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Amen. Yeah. How about Psalm 37? Can we go there? I can read it in a different translation. You won't get mad at me. Okay. Psalm 37, verse 1. Don't be agitated. Don't be agitated. You you have never seen your face. You have no idea what you look like. (laughs) You've seen a reflection of your face, but you have never seen your face. My Bible says that you get, this is your reflection right here. Anything else is like those distorted mirrors in the, in the Ripley's, Ripley's believe it or not places. Make you look big, they make you look small. 
all of that. And, and isn't that what the devil does to you? You're too big, you're too small, you're too fat, you're too thin, you're too tall. You know, it's, it's like the heavier you are, the less chance you have of being kidnapped. So, <laughs> All I'm saying is, all I'm saying is, look at yourself in the Word of God and then be happy with who He made you be. And if you want to lose some weight, lose some weight. If you want to gain some weight, gain some weight, but shut up about it. <laughs> no, because it always comes out in a restaurant. <laughs> You're sitting there trying to enjoy your meals. Well, yeah, I'm really not going to eat this anymore. <laughs> really need to cut back on this? No, you need to shut up and eat your meal. <laughs> That's kind of saucy, wasn't it? Exactly. <laughs> Give the chips to the seagulls, man. Yeah. I bet you some of you guys have already got in your mind. We're going to the Olive View restaurant soon. <laughs> yeah. All I'm saying is when I find out who I am in here, then I can determine what I want to do with the rest of this stuff. And I'd, if I'm feeling condemnation about things, if I'm convicted not to eat that second piece of lemon pie, I'm going to eat it anyway. <laughs> no, that's not what I mean. <laughs> what I mean is I know that we need discipline. It's called discipleship. Uh, so we're not going to go hog wild. But also know this. I don't need to be in bondage to a diet or bondage to what I'm going to eat, what I'm not going to eat. It, those things are just so stressful. <laughs> I feel stress. And when I think about stress, I think about the double A response. You know what the double A response is? That's what it's called fight or flight. And it was you were given this this double uh, A response so that up until fifty years ago or so, it would help you to run away from a bear. You know, you'd put it in flight. But now, because we're living in traffic, <laughs> no, fight or flight happens all day long. It's just the, the constant pressure. And when that pressure happens, it drives your cortisol levels crazy. And so it, the, stress, the, stress will, the stress can kill you. When I look back at my life, I'm saying I could have been like Brother Hagen and walked in divine health, but I let stress get to me years ago and, and, and didn't even recognize it. Didn't even recognize it until you get to a place where you have to stop and examine yourself and say, wow, I was stressed out about a lot of things. And uh, not anymore. Not anymore. Nothing. It's all good. So write this down about fear if you're taking notes. Fear distorts your image. You don't see yourself correctly. And by the way, fear, fear resides in your mind and it's activated by your senses. It's in your mind. It's not in your spirit. 
and it's activated by your senses. So it's how you feel. How you feel should not affect all these things that how you feel should not bring fear into your life because it'll paralyze your progress. Here's the big one. It'll promote procrastination. Afraid of making the mistakes holds so many people back. Just let it go. Let it go. Let it all go. That's Ashton, I got a comment. I know I, I brag on you too much, probably. I might have to let the arrow to you. Justin can do that. But you get everybody involved. And when I think about Colossians chapter 3, my Bible says that we're called to one body. We're not, there's, there's, there's not this church, that church, and the other church. There's one body, and everybody has a place where they can fit. And some people want to be, you know, if you're, if you're, if you're a little toe, be happy. You know, just find your place. Well, Paul wrote all about it, but if you can find your place and not look for a position, if you can find your place, you'll be happy in that place. And that, and, and it doesn't make you any less than anyone else or more. We're all the same. Without him, there's nothing. So it promotes procrastination, destroys creativity. This is the big one. It silences the voice of God. How about this one? It stops the supernatural and fuels failure. Drives you to seek a false security in mediocrity. Settling for much less than what you are and who you are. If you knew your potential, if you knew... If you, Christ in you, Christ in you, not in the world, in you, the hope of glory. He's in you. Mm -hmm. Calm down over that one. No, but it contaminates your faith. Yeah. Hallelujah. Praise you, Jesus. The double A response. Okay, let's read this song. Do not be agitated by evildoers, nor envy those who do wrong, for they wither quickly like the grass and like the tender green plants. Trust in the Lord and do what is good. Dwell in the land and live securely. Take delight in the Lord and he will give you your heart's desires. Commit your way unto the Lord and trust. Listen to this. Commit your way unto the Lord and trust him. When he says he'll give you the heart's desire, if your desire is not right, he'll change it. If you put him first, he'll give you the proper desires of your heart. Commit your way unto the Lord and trust in him, and he will, and then he will act. Making your righteousness, he said, I'll make your righteousness shine like the dawn. Your justice will be like the noonday. Be silent before the Lord and wait expectantly for him and do not be agitated by the ones who prosper in their way, by the person who carries out evil plans. Refrain from anger and give up your rage. Do not get agitated. It can only bring harm. Evil doers will be destroyed, but those that put their hope in the Lord shall inherit the land.
Don't worry about the wicked or envy those that do wrong. Like the grass, they shall soon fade away. Like spring flowers, they'll wither up. Trust in the Lord and do good. Trust and do, trust and do. Trust in the Lord and do good. Because one day you could be in front of 1.5 million people. Just like that overnight. Just, just doing it daily. Just daily serving him. The dailiness of daily. Sometimes boring. Sometimes yawn. You just keep up. It's like praying in the morning. Sometimes we have powerful prayer times, and other times you just recite words. Why are we doing it? Because we want to honor God. Just want to honor him, so we're going to do it. Whether we feel anything about it, whether we have emotional connection to it or not, we're going to do it because we want to honor him. So it doesn't have to fit. Sometimes, those, sometimes all you get from praying is a dry mouth in the natural. But it honors the king. Take delight in the Lord and he'll give you your heart's desires. Commit everything unto the Lord. Trust in him and he'll help you. He will make your innocence radiate like the dawn. And the justice of your cause will shine like the noonday sun. Be still in the presence of the Lord and wait. Look, this is good too, verse 7. Be still in the presence of the Lord. Yep. Amen. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. Be still in the presence of the Lord. In his presence is fullness of joy, and at his right hand pleasures forevermore. Wait patiently for him to act. Here's a ticket too. Wait patiently for him to do it. I know you've been waiting a while, so you're going to do it yourself. That's what happened to Saul. Saul said, I waited for Samuel. He didn't show up, so I did it myself. And it destroyed his kingdom. Just wait on the Lord. Don't worry about evil people that prosper or about their wicked schemes. Stop being angry. All I have to do in order to succeed at that is to stop driving. I know some of you all got it together, but I'm still walking some of this, still walking some of this stuff out after all these years. Yeah, that's why I wear a ball cap when I'm driving the jeep. You'll never recognize the pastor in here. <laughs> Did I ever tell you about the time I was driving through Burnside somewhere, and I had my signal light on, but I didn't know it was burned out. So I put my signal light on, and this guy went roaring by me and gave me the finger, flipped me the bird. And when I looked down at him, I was in. A, I recognized him. <laughs> oh, he was a member of the church, man. <laughs> Never saw him again after that. <laughs> yeah. Remember John Kirstead cut off George Moss. Remember that. <laughs> All upset and shaking his fist at George, and then there's George. George, <laughs> la, la, la. Yeah. Stop being angry and turn back from your rage. Don't lose your temper. It only leads to harm. For the wicked will be destroyed, but those who trust in the Lord will possess the land. Amen. 
We hope this message has encouraged you in your relationship with the Lord. For more information and ministry resources, we invite you to visit our website at www.newcovenantchurch.ca. We look forward to you joining us next time as we continue to live victoriously.